Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 22. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're going to pick up our study in verse... uh, 23, but let me just kind of bring you up to date. If you um, haven't been with us on Sunday mornings, we've been going through the gospel of Matthew. And, you know, it just occurred to me last night, I was telling my wife, I said, we we have been in the gospel of Matthew for almost two years. I don't know why we just have. You've been blessed. Amen. I've really been blessed. And so, so far, if you haven't been with us, uh, this is the last week. You got a pen? Got a pad? This is the last week in the life of our Lord. Jesus is in the temple. If you have been with us, then you know this. Jesus has been in the temple, and he's being questioned, and he's being examined by the Jewish leaders. And so far, listen, so far they've put two questions to him. The first question is a question of authority. Remember in chapter 21, verse 23, Jesus cleansed the temple there in chapter 21. And then they said, by what authority or who gave you the right to do these things? So the first question is a question of authority. The second question is a question of responsibility. Chapter 22, verse 17, they asked, is it okay, we looked at this last week, is it okay or is it right to pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus said what? Give to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and give to God, that would be you, the things that belong to God. We talked about that. You missed that teaching? You can pick it up on CD. And then we also talked about last week our responsibility to the government and to God. And so Jesus is in the temple. And if you will, he's kind of duking it out with the scribes and with the Pharisees. He's duking it out with these guys. Round one, authority. Round two, responsibility. The third question. And round three, it's kind of the age-old question. What happens beyond the grave? People write books about it. Time magazine has articles on it. What happens beyond the grave? What, what, what happens in the resurrection? Round three, our third question, we pick up in Matthew chapter 22. Saints beginning in verse 23, if you're with me, say amen. Well, the same day, the Sadducees who say, underline this, there is no resurrection. Well, they came to Jesus and they asked him, saying, Teacher or rabbi, Moses said that if a man dies having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were, and they posed to him this hypothetical situation, there were with us seven brothers. 
the first died after he had married. And having no offspring, he left his wife to his brother. Well, likewise, the second also. And then the third, and that continued to happen all the way to the seventh brother. Last of all, the woman died also. Therefore, in verse 28, in the resurrection, Jesus, whose wife of the seven will she be? For they all had her. And Jesus answered in verse 29, I love it. He said to them, you are mistaken. Underline this, highlight it. This has got to be one of the most powerful, poignant, important verses in this chapter. Jesus said to them, you are mistaken. Why? Because you don't know the Bible, nor do you know the power of God. For in the resurrection, Jesus says, they neither marry or are given in marriage, but are like circle angels of God in heaven. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God? Don't you even read your Bible? I am the God of who saints? Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And God is not the God of the dead, but of what? The living. And when the multitude heard this, they were shocked at his teaching. Now stop right there. Give me your attention. Notice the Bible says in verse 23, the same day, on the same day, the Sadducees came to him. Now, who are the Sadducees? The Sadducees are the smallest of the Jewish sect. The Sadducees are powerful. They're wealthy. They're influential. They were in charge. Get this. And this is going to make sense. Bing. Light's going to come on. They were in charge of the money tables in the temple. So now you can see who was upset when Jesus went in the temple and he turned over the money changers tables and he said, you don't make my father's house a house of thieves. My father's house is to be a house of prayer. So the Sadducees were in charge of the money tables in the temple. The Sadducees, they rejected, listen, anything, underscore anything that dealt with the supernatural. Afterlife, angels, they didn't believe in future judgment. These guys were liberal, philosophical, theological, materialist. Notice in verse 23 in your Bibles, it tells us that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. And that's why they were sad, you see. Sorry, I like that. I don't, I don't even know. If, I don't care. They were sad, you see, because they rejected the resurrection and they rejected the afterlife. And might I add, if you reject the resurrection and you reject the afterlife, guess what? You will be sad, you see. Now, where'd you get that from, Rodney? Well, Paul said the very same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 19. He said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are all men most sad, you see, or pitiful. Man, let me tell you, <laughs> if in this life this is your only hope, I don't care how much money you have, how much money you don't have, how big your house is, how nice your car is, what your financial portfolio looks like. 
You know, if you don't have hope in the resurrection, you don't have hope in the afterlife, you don't have hope that there is life beyond this life, you will be sad, you see. There's no question about it. Because, listen, there's something that, that, you know, the great equalizer, the great leveler is death. The fact is, 100 out of every 100 people will die. Okay, y'all get that on your way home, all right? That means everybody we're all going to die someday. And so if your hope is not, hey, someday I am going to die, it doesn't matter, you know, what you do in this life and how much you work out and how much you keep yourself in shape. The reality is you're going to die someday. And, 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 if, and if in this life only you have hope, then in that day that you die, you probably won't stand before the Lord prepared and ready to meet your maker. So you got to live this life for the next one. You understand? Say amen. So Paul said that. That's why these guys, they, they were sad, you see. Because... They only had hope in this life. They didn't believe anything supernatural, anything, you know, in the afterlife, anything as it relates to spiritual things. Well, it's these same guys, these Sadducees who don't believe anything. Well, they brought Jesus this hypothetical situation. And in your Bibles, you can write Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 and 6, as they quote the law of Moses in verse 24. You see that? They quote the law of Moses. And, 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 they, and they said, if a man died, the law of Moses in Deuteronomy, you can read it in your own time. But it, it says, if a man died, his brother had to take his wife and raise up a son to keep the family name or the family line going. It's known as the law of the, of the Leverite or the Leverite marriage. And you can read that in Deuteronomy 25 in your own time. But it just basically said that if a brother died and he had a wife and they had no son, then the brothers had to marry the wife and raise up seed to keep the family, perpetuate the family name. Well, needless to say, that makes some interesting table conversation. Around dinner, the eldest brother comes home and he says, hey, family, I'm getting married. And brother number two, three, four through seven, they want to know what she looks like. They're like, man, what she look like, bro? Well, man, she is fine. Okay, good. Then great, great, great. Where's the picture? Because, see, they, they might have to marry her someday. The law of the leveret marriage. And so they pose this hypothetical situation. They said, Jesus, we have seven brothers. And when the first brother dies without children, his brother takes his wife. He also dies without kids. And this continues to happen through the seventh brother, they said to Jesus. She marries a brother and then he dies. You see that? I, I guess the question would be, you know, what is this woman putting in their coffee? I mean, goodness gracious. She's like, you know, like, like a black widow or something, you know. And then the Bible says she finally dies. You know, speaking of that, it reminds me of a story uh, of this classic story. I don't know if I shared this with you in the past, but of this classic story of uh, Dr. Lewis T. Talbot. 
And uh, he lived back in the late 40s, and, and he was a preacher. And he preached in churches in the Los Angeles area. And he gave this one message concerning wives submitting to their own husbands. Well, Dr. Talbot was a fiery preacher, a short little guy. He was a spark plug. He preached his sermon powerfully and passionately and pounding on the pulpit with his veins bulging and his eyes popping out. Wives, submit to your own husbands. And when he was done, he went down the center aisle and he stood at the door. And one of the first people to come out that greeted him was this very large lady with a flower dress. And she had a hat with a flower blooming out of the hat. She had this huge purse in her hand and she got right in Dr. Talbot's face and she said, Dr. Talbot, that message today was disgusting. Wives submitting to their own husbands and everything. She said, to tell you the truth, Dr. Talbot, if you were my husband, I will put poison in your tea tomorrow. And Dr. Talbot looked at the woman. He looked her up and down and he said, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink it. Why do people want to mess with preachers? What is wrong with them? You know, a preacher go off on you. You better be careful, all right? Also, this woman, she goes through seven husbands. And, and, and then she dies, and they said to Jesus, they said, Jesus, here's the question. And I bet you these guys, you know, I'm kind of reading the white space here, but I bet you these guys had a smirk on their face. They were thinking, you know, we're going to show this Galilean bumpkin something. He doesn't know anything. And they said to him, they said, Jesus, in the resurrection, whose wife will she be? Huh? Huh? And I'm sure they thought they had him. I'm sure they used the same question on the resurrection believing Pharisees and probably stumped them. And they didn't know how to answer it. But see, they didn't take into account when they were talking to Jesus, they were talking to God. They didn't take into account when they were talking to Jesus, they were talking to the author of the Torah. They didn't take into account when they were talking to Jesus, they were talking to the omniscient one, the one who knows everything. And so they're probably standing back, huh, 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 whose wife will she be, huh? And Jesus, did you notice in verse 29, he said, you are mistaken. You see, in the resurrection, people won't be married, they will be like the angels. And then Jesus goes on concerning the resurrection of the dead. He says, haven't you read? And I bet you in Jesus' mind, he's, he's thinking, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. You don't read your Bible. My bad. You haven't read. I am the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Jacob. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm not the God of the dead, but I'm the God of the living. And when the multitude in verse 33 heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. Now listen and listen close. Jesus told them, fellas, you're wrong. And notice he said there are two, count them, two reasons why you're wrong. Number one, you don't know the Bible. And number two, you don't know the power of God. You're ignorant of God's word and you're ignorant of God's power. You see, Jesus is quick to say you're mistaken. Did you see that? Now that word mistaken means to be deceived, seduced, led astray. Jesus said the reason you are led astray and you're deceived and you're seduced is because you don't know the Bible and you don't know the power of God. Question, 
Do you know the Bible? Do you know the Bible? You know, the same is true, I believe, today. The same is true of people today. They don't know the Bible, and they don't know the power of God. People are ignorant to the Bible. And I am amazed at at how much knowledge people acquire, especially in the day that we live in. I'm amazed at how much knowledge people acquire in many different areas of life. Math and science and biology and computers and planes and trains and automobiles. PlayStation. People are experts in PlayStation. Computers, all the knowledge that people acquire and Christians acquire, but they don't know the Bible. When in fact, listen, the most important knowledge that you will ever possess is the knowledge of this book. Please, somebody say amen. Now, I realize there's not a lot of people telling you the knowledge in this book is really all you need. The Bible says that God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness between the pages of this leather book. And if you just simply read the Bible, that's all the knowledge you need. And I'm amazed at how ignorant people are of the word of God today. And they've got a degree, and they've got an AA, and a BA, and an MBA, and a AAA, and a... Ph.D. and, you know, but they don't know the Bible. You see, and if you know the Bible, then you learn the wisdom of God. And if you learn the wisdom of God, then you experience the power of God in your life. And apart from the Bible, you cannot experience the power of God. And apart from the Bible, you can't truly have wisdom. See, the Bible is given to you that it might navigate you and lead you through life. You know, it would be a whole lot less counseling in the church today if people knew the B-I-B-L-E, the Bible, the word of God. And it's sad how people each week, I'm still amazed. Here we are nine and a half years in, in ministry in this church and people still come every single week. And say, man, Pastor Rodney, I'm glad I, you know, my first time here. And they're like all excited. And I'm glad that I found a church that's teaching the Bible. I mean, how many of you felt that way when you first walked in? You heard the word of God. Look, that's most of us. And that was me, too, when I first walked into Calvary Chapel in Vista, California. All dressed up. (laughs) People had on flip-flops and T-shirts, y'all. I was like, oh, this is a Jesus cult. I know it. It's one of them cults. I know it. The kids' classrooms was uh, gutted, gutted school buses out back. I said, oh, they put my babies in a school bus. They're going to drive them off somewhere. I don't know what they're going to do. What they going to do to my babies? And I walked in, and, the, man, I heard the pastor. He was standing up there, like, you know, just, you know, dressed in a shirt and a pair of pants and teaching the Bible, just teaching the Word. No running around, no hooping. Say amen if you know what I mean. All right, now, that's some of y'all. Okay, if you don't know, ask me later. I'll tell you what hooping is. Oh, I'll tell you now. That's when they know they go, you know. And the Lord said, God wants to save you. You better get saved. 
you know, and you got to kind of get that asthmatic breathing thing going on, you know, between words and, you know, and it wasn't all that going on. And at first it kind of caught me off guard because I was like, oh, man, that's not preaching. No, 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 no. I don't know what you're doing, but that's not right. That's where I felt when I first. I tell you what, though, the pastor was preaching in the book of Revelation. I mean, Elvira sat on that back row. And by the time he was finished preaching the word, I was in tears. I'm trying to hide it. Because Elvira sitting there. I'm like. (laughs) 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 Why? Because God's word affected my life that day. And I will never forget. I saw that guy teaching the Bible and I thought, man, if he can teach the Bible, anybody can. Now, it wasn't because he was was an awesome teacher, but because there was no show and no fanfare and there wasn't all this, you know, you know, the big eyes and the little U's kind of thing going on in the church. It made me feel like this is something that I can grasp. You understand me? And, 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 and people, you see, they try to live their lives apart from the word of God. They try to live their lives apart from the wisdom of God and from the word of God. And I'll tell you, you cannot have power unless you know God's word. Now, look, you can shout, you can jump, you can swing from the ceiling, you can talk about power all day long. But you will never truly know the power of God until you truly know the word of God. There is a connection between the two. And don't forget that. You can talk about power. Hey, I can talk about power with you. Power. Okay. But when we're done screaming, do you know God's word? Do you know the Bible? Or are you ignorant of God's word? It is so important. God's word is so important. I got to move on. Notice in verse 30 in your Bibles how Jesus answers their question. Jesus said in the resurrection, they are neither married or given in marriage. In other words, in the resurrection, when you get to heaven, there will be no need for sexual relationships because no one will be reproducing in heaven. There won't be exclusive relationships in heaven because we are the bride of Christ. We will be married to the father. But I want you to notice their presumption now. you got to get this. Their presumption was based on, underscore, their understanding of heaven. You know, people have all kinds of unscriptural understandings, presumptions, ideas about heaven. You know, there's a lot of people who actually think that Peter is going to be standing at the pearly gates. They do. They think Peter's going to be standing there. Why? Because all the stories and the jokes, you know, hey, have you heard the one about Peter at the pearly gates? And people take that stuff as doctrine. You know, this is like truth. You know, Peter ain't going to be standing at the pearly gates. But people have their understanding of, of, of what heaven will be like. I hate Hollyweird's version of heaven. You know, you see Hollywood movies and, you know, heaven is, you know, little naked babies. You know, not naked, not naked, naked, no naked babies, you know, floating around on clouds, playing harps, flying around with wings, you know, in heaven in Hollywood's weirds version of heaven. Heaven is all white. I personally got a problem with that. (laughs) Can I can I tell you something? Can we talk? Okay, heaven is not all white. Okay. 
because I'm going to be there, all right? <laughs> Say amen if you know what I'm Okay, I've got a problem with that. There's lots of color in heaven. You know, I did, I did a funeral uh, not too long ago, and a sister, she said to me, Pastor, she'd been coming to fellowship for a long time, and she said, Pastor, I want you to preach that sermon that you preached about heaven. And, and she said, I want you to talk about the beauty and the color in heaven. And, and how beautiful it is in heaven and how people, all people are in heaven. I said, I'm happy to preach that sermon. Happy to. Because heaven is not all white. Heaven is not all black. There's no just black heaven and there's no white heaven. There's a heaven that is filled with the redeemed of the Lord. The heaven that I know and the heaven that's in the Bible is full of color. Hey, check it out in your own time. It's in the book of Revelation as John sees heaven and he describes heaven as beautiful with a lot of color and a lot of people of all nations, tongues and tribes. And again, might I say, that's what I love about Calvary Chapel. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.